Welcome to episode 132 of the GSD Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Jules and Statoya. Running a successful business never comes without its challenges, but it also includes a lot of highs. In this GSD Entrepreneur Podcast, we explore both. We dive into what it looks like when entrepreneurs are committed to getting done. These are people who are pursuing their dreams, so we dig deep to understand how they are doing it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Lauren Gruski's story is an inspiring one. Her career includes living in New York, working for MTV and Vivo, working for a startup, and then moving to LA because she got a job with Facebook, working with leaders and executives. She is a four and a half time Ironman athlete, and she understands the deep grief of losing someone close to you. This grief led her to her own soul-searching mission where she got clear on what she wants her life to be about, and she is now the founder of Soul Expressed, where she, in her words, helps people find your you. She longs to help people find their passion and then monetize that passion in every good way. In this episode, you will laugh, maybe cry, and certainly be inspired to live your truth and lean into what you've been placed on this earth to accomplish. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, GSD Entrepreneur listeners, we are excited to come to you again today and have a little different of a guest. So a lot of times we have uh, guests right in person with us here in Charleston or even on location somewhere else. But this is an exciting day because we're actually talking with someone from LA. Yeah. And they're not here and we're not there. No, we wish they were because we (laughs) think we would really like to hang out with this guest in person. And maybe that Maybe the, uh, the universe will give us the opportunity yeah. to do that. But we're really, really excited to have on our show today, Lauren Gruski. And Lauren has a lot of experience in the corporate world, which she can talk about. And then she just, which you've probably heard this story more than once, but she got to a point where she needed a change. She wanted something different. And she had this Uh, this idea that was brewing inside of her that she got to a point where she could not say no to it anymore. And so she, as a result, started a company called Soul Expressed. Some pit stops along the way before that, which we'll get into all that, if you're good with that, Lauren. Absolutely. And uh, really, really, I got to spend some time on the phone with Lauren, just getting to know her before we got on this, on the show. And I, it's, it's a little harder for us to say yes to long distance people who we don't know and haven't met in person, Mm -hmm. just because we want the real like nature Mm -hmm. of relationships to come through our podcast. But after I spent 45 minutes or so on the phone with you, Lauren, I was like, oh my gosh, you so fit the type of guests that we have on this show, we got to make it happen. So here we are. So thank you for joining our show. We said yes to a long-term relationship or a long, a long Long distance distance relationship. We did. So beautiful. Yeah. And you know, I think I definitely, I am a huge, huge proponent for being in person. In fact, when I was in the corporate world, I was never in the office because I was always on the road meeting with people, executives, janitors, like you name it. I think like being with people is God's gift to us in this human form. Yeah. And when it's not possible or it could be possible, but when time is of the essence, technology has come so far that it allows Mm. us to have the next best thing, which is to see each other and to experience each other's energy in a different setting and to see what, you know, what exists there. It's so true. It's so true. So we're actually listeners, we're actually recording this via video. So we're, it feels like we're in the same room with you, uh, Lauren. Mm-hmm. So let's do this. If you would, we'd love for you to take us back, take us back as far as you want to go and sort of walk through the stepping stones of how you got from way back when to where you are now. Sound good? And then we'll sure. with lots of questions along the way. Perfect. Yeah. I'll share a journey. I'll do my best to truncate it so that we can get it in and go to the juicy part. So you let me know where we want to stop or, you know, feel free to interrupt me as we go um, or speed me along. If you're like that one's pretty dull, we're not interested in how you learn to swim breaststroke, right? Um, Which we still kind of don't know how to do. 
Uh, nonetheless, so I am really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's been such an awesome experience to me, other entrepreneurs, and especially other women entrepreneurs who have stories of staying true to who they really are. Hmm. And that's one of the reasons I was so, um, so attracted to you both, just given your background and your story and even how your relationship came together and the longevity of your business and hmm how that's evolved over time through your family. So it's such an honor and joy to be here. Thank you for having me. Got it. And so, um, so yeah, going back to, I was born in Michigan and in Michigan, we all hold up our hand. And so for listeners that are yours that are from the Midwest or from Michigan, we point to where we're from. I'm right between where sort of the thumb and the first finger come together, um, Hmm. which is Ann Arbor. And I grew up in Michigan, huge U of M fan. It was a big part of my life growing up. I spent my weekends, it's football season in the big house. It's still very much a part of my Saturdays. Um, Everything kind of takes a backseat when Michigan football is on. So I was a huge, huge part of my upbringing. And I grew up with a big brother about 18 months apart. His name's Nathan. Um, And he signed his name Nate and with the letter eight. So from the longest time, I don't know why, but eight was always my favorite number because as a kid, my brother was a year ahead of me in school. So he'd come home and kind of give me the preview to the next year. And I remember he taught me how to write 88. He said, well, just take a square and put four circles in it. And now you know your numbers. So I was like really proud in, you know, kindergarten that I knew 88. Um, So nonetheless, that was sort of, Um, A beautiful relationship I'm so grateful to grow up with. Um, My parents were married my whole childhood. And I definitely, the, you know, what I love about generational, um, our generational differences is when I look back now, I have perspective as to my parents' lives and what they did really well as parents and their intentions were always so pure. And also the challenges they had that we just didn't have. And the repression that existed for them, that when there were issues in the household or personal issues, they didn't have all the counselors and therapists and everyone else. It was like, make it look good on the outside and then stuff it away and suffer silently. Yeah. And so, you know, my perspective around that and going through my own journey and processing my childhood has been, um, it's been a journey definitely, but just, I now it's so filled with love. And I, um, I have these really beautiful relationships with my parents now, but it didn't always exist that way. Um, so I did grow up in a household where my father was, um, unfortunately, had alcoholism disease. And um, so that definitely impacted me in my journey. And at a very young age, I decided I needed to be a leader. And in fact, my dad always told me, like, you are a leader. You do not follow. And I don't care what everyone else is doing around you. If you know inside of you, it's not right. Or that there's another choice that is right. That's the choice you take. Mm -hmm. He was like always preaching that over my life. Like it wasn't a choice. I was a leader. And so um, that was always ingrained in me. And when you talk about entrepreneurism, I think that's where I probably was like seated in me at a very, very young age. And I always had this natural way of just being center stage. Like I joke that I think I I was born with a microphone in my hand. And in fact, like all of, if I go back and look at like the presence I ever got that excited me most, it was like the karaoke machine or the cheesy microphone thing that like made an (laughs) echo or whatever it was, but like always the ones that were like staged, you know, front and center, get the microphone, be a superstar kind of gifts, you know? So you can imagine growing up with me, I was like, always like banging on pots and pans, making a marching band around my home. Like God bless my brother. I was like always pounding on the piano. Like I just like noise didn't like, it wasn't a thing to me. It was like loud and like rambunctious and joyous. And like, that's who I am. In fact, um, I have an orange marker in my hand right now, which is so ironic. My great aunt, um, it's like a side story. She loved the color orange. As a young kid, she had those little jelly sandals that were orange. And she would say, like, orange is the color of joy and spread the joy. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, her and I, she was, like, another side funny story. We used to go away to this place called Mohawk Mountain in New York. If anyone knows it, like, we just totally connected, and now we're best friends forever. (laughs) But it's one of those places, like an old castle. There's no TVs. So at, like, you know, I'm in college, and my aunt's like, we're going away to Mohawk. 
Tomahawk Mountain. And as a kid, I kind of forgot because there's activities. I'm like, where's the TV? Like, where's the phone jack in the rooms? None. It's like you go away and you enjoy nature. And um, so my aunt takes us there and it's like a cruise ship buffet every meal, right? Like every meal is extravagant. She says, Lauren, go, darling, go get me some blue cheese off the bar. So I'm like, okay, great. So I come back with like, you know, a serving of blue cheese. And she says to me, what is that? I'm like, well, didn't you ask for blue cheese? She goes, the entire ball, darling. Like, the <laughs> I'm like, you want the whole ball? She's like, well, yes, of course. They'll refill it. And life is made to be abundant. And so that was her, that was her energy, right? Like it was about like, we're here to enjoy and indulge and have this glorious life here and to live out loud and be colorful and her and I had a really, really beautiful relationship. I'm so grateful for that. And whenever I see the color orange, I always am like, thanks, Aunt Bev. So she's with us right now, oh, um, which is, is so amazing. So um, do you get your energy from her or do you get that from your parents in any way? You know, I think it's a mixed bag. And oh my gosh, how funny is this? She's like so here right now. Like, oh, wow. I have lots of Kleenexes with joy on it. <clears throat> Oh. Yeah, they're like the Christmas box. Clearly, we've been using them. Um, well, you know, I think it's a compilation. My mom growing up always was like singing and like everything was a song. And like she was the person if you sat down on a cold toilet seat, she'd like scream like so everyone in the house was awake and like knew that mom like had cold butt cheeks, you know, <laughs> like like the the sort of like drama of life was always front and center and so I'm grateful for that I don't know exactly where it comes from except that was just like a part of my household mm -hmm. um and I was always the girl in like third grade everyone in the class was talking but like I'd get my name on the board and I would be like great like now I'm famous <laughs> teachers didn't like that like, we'll write your name on the board 20 times. I was like, perfect. <laughs> I like didn't see what was wrong, you know? I was like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think, and, and I, the other side of this is like, as I got older and they're like, you know, we start to have those crazy voices in our head. The ones that are like the gremlins that say like, oh, you're too much or you're not good enough or whatever. Like there was that challenge in my life where, I mean, that's who I am. Like I am called to be that person and so it can be I can make up everything we want about it right like I could make up like well am I narcissistic or am I someone who needs attention or like what's wrong with me like no nothing's wrong with me it's who I am it's what I'm called to be in this lifetime and that's too far ahead of myself but like I am soul expressed Hmm. That like that is who I am called to be here in this lifetime. And sometimes it takes a person that over indexes in one area to awaken some of the other people or to show like it's safe. It's safe to be all of you. Yeah. And so that's been a big part of my journey too. And it even, you know, it's an easy out. It's an easy way for me to say, oh, I'm too much. So I should just be quiet. Well, like that doesn't work for me. Like, I'm like a dog, like with a piece of meat in front of it. It's like, oh my God, I can't wait to explode. I can't wait to sing. I can't wait to dance. Like, it's just who I am. So, so I'm gonna anyways. Just, I'm going to just stop because I think that is such an important point. Um, mm. Whether you're somebody that's completely extroverted and does enjoy being in front of a microphone and does enjoy being on video and does enjoy all that, or you're the other kind of person who mm. it would be the worst horrific moment of your life to have to be center stage, mm -hmm. you know? But I think in any of those places, it's really interesting to just embrace and not feel less yeah. than for being any of those, mm -hmm. you know? Because I think that we've been created in such a way to be such a tapestry of colors. And if we were only the color, you know, gray, or we were only the color purple, it would be a really boring world. And so I just, I've heard from other people and I've been told, you know, you lean too much on feelings or you, um, whatever, or there's somebody else who we have a relationship with who's, you know, says, people tell me I'm too much. And I'm like, shame on those people for doing that. And all that is, is their own insecurity for not being able to, you know, embrace all that somebody else is, is if they're not just like them. Yeah. So I love it that you said that. And I love that you've embraced 
that part of who you are. I think it's beautiful. Mm. Yep. It's, it, so- it goes back to uh, another podcast we had with Russell Powell, where, um, and you have to go listen to that podcast, but she got fired from a job, a corporate job for excessive happiness. That was on her pink slip, excessive happiness. And yeah. she got fired from her job. I know we did the same thing. You're looking like a deer in the headlights. That's exactly, and yeah. that's what we did. We were like, and she's one of the most amazing women that we know. And it's because of who she is. Yeah. And she is mm-hmm. happy and she makes us happy and, and, and everybody around her happy. So, yeah. And, and nothing holds her back and except, you know, and that job didn't hold her back either. She just laughed it off and went on about her business. And now is running her, a very successful PR firm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I did she title a PR PR firm excessive happiness? No, but she should have. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's the coolest joke. Or like her book title should be that pink slip, like on the cover. Yeah. You know, I love yeah. that. Her that's dad so actually amazing. framed it. Her dad framed it. He was so proud of the pink slip. Mm. Yeah, mm. I know. <laughs> so beautiful. I know. So beautiful. I know. All right, let's well, come back. Just, to you. Yeah, and I was just going to add to what you said, because I think that there's so much value in what you said around the feeling and the introvert and extrovert, and that we all have a spectrum. I have a spectrum. There are days where self-care is at the forefront, actually taking a day to rest because emotionally I feel like I'm processing something or even stepping into entrepreneurship, I've come up with like what I've coined as a vulnerability hangover which is like, as I express myself, it's like going to the gym. It's like, like we go to the gym and the next day we're sore. Well, the same thing happens when we step into new territory, especially this deep emotional territory. Mm-hmm. And so making space to say, wow, I'm feel like totally out of my elephant. Uh, I said element <laughs> could be elephant. Um, <laughs> there's some funny stories there too, but um, you know, and I, I think just making the space for us to be what we are in the moment. If yes. we're sad, to be sad, to process the sadness, not to play sadness, but to actually be the emotion and let it move. Yeah. And then from that place, our batteries recharge. We're not like carrying these things around like a weight. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing about whether it be happiness, joy, processing, like we have seasons in our lives and there are seasons where trees lose their leaves to regrow. And we as humans, I I firmly believe we go through the same thing. And this idea that we are supposed to always be happy or we are supposed to always be in joy. And then when we're not, we're like, what's wrong with me? How do I get out of it? Like retraining ourselves and our experience in this lifetime to say, thanks, like, thanks me thanks human body thank god for the ability to feel emotions like mm. how great is it that we get to grieve this mm-hmm. is what you know animals do in nature when something dies or passes on they spend time grieving and there's so much we can learn from the animal kingdom and nature and everything else but i've just really and i think in my transition to running my own business now it's been eye opening how numb i was inside of a world that I was just constantly busy and fulfilling, you know, demands. So Mm. it's been a fine balance and really some conscious awareness around being able to be all of who we are, um, every angle. So, okay, going back. Yeah, we're going back. So you were raised in Michigan. Where did you go to college? I went to school at Northwood University, which is an actually an entrepreneurial education uh, accredited university. Mm. And I studied business, automotive, and sports there. I was like the ADD of college majors, which beautiful. I had no idea. I just took a lot of credits. Um, and I think ultimately I have this love for advertising and I couldn't really figure it out. But I knew like there was like the sex appeal of cigarettes. I was like, who sold like cancer sticks to like nations of people. And, and like, honestly, it was like sexy to, to have it. Like Mm -hmm. there was the idea of advertising to me was like the study of people and connection and telling stories. And I just had this love for it. What I didn't love so much was like the politics of it. Like I never really understood the politics side of advertising and it existed in school as well. So 
there was like the, the part inside of me that just wanted to like be with people, connect with people and not have to do all the other, like, you know, politic kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, so I think that's why there was like always things I loved or didn't love. I, I was in automotive. I did some internships actually in um, the Carolinas with BMW back in the mm -hmm. early days. In fact, yeah. I have a little dog who came from, from that. Um, and um, I, you know, I, I went and studied abroad in university and that opened my eyes. That opened my eyes to there's way more beyond the automotive market, like becoming a sports agent. I mean, I just want to try everything. I was like, I want a buffet of life. And so I graduated um, like class president, straight A's, I mean, completely addicted to achievement kind of girl. And I was like, I'm moving to New York. And I need to like live in New York City. I just have to go there and I'll figure it out. No money, college debt, and just a ton of ambition. And I'd always gone to summer camp. So I was like, well, maybe I'm going to be a camp counselor. Like maybe I'll do that. So I applied to like run the soccer program at a camp upstate New York. And lo and behold, they call, they like want to hire me for this job. So I say to my family, like I'm moving to New York to go be a camp counselor. And they're like, are you out of your mind? Like, I'm like, no, not at all. I'm going to go figure it out. I have to go live in New York. So then they give me the middle school girls, you know? So I'm like with the middle school girls, they're all like sneaking out every night and everything. It was just, it was an awesome summer. And I really got to connect and like check that off my list. I was so grateful I did that. And what I would do is I got one day off a week. And so I would take the train into Penn Station and I would take clothes in my bag, change at Penn Station into like a pencil skirt and a business suit, have my resume ready. And I would literally like anyone who looked like they were important, like they were in a suit or whatever. I'd be like, hi, I'm Lauren Gruski. I'm from Michigan. I just graduated. I would love to get a job in New York City. And they're like, you're like, some people were like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I remember I like sat and I had a professor who... She was like in the advertising industry before. And I was like, can I just find all the New York companies or numbers that you have in your Rolodex and call them? And I would, I would call them and be like, hi, um, I'm Lauren. I am, I just am graduating. I have a marketing and business major. And I'd be like, are you guys hiring? Like, I didn't even know who the companies were. No. And most of the time they were like, I mean, New Yorkers have no time for that. They're like, yeah, we have an internship program. Like look online or like, you know, email info at I want to get a job.com. And <laughs> I just, you know, I just was like, I'm going and like, no joke. I get some random email that was like, uh, you, do you want a career with MTV? And I remember I was like, uh, I think, yeah. And I interviewed <laughs> there and I just, I followed up with them a few times and it was, I went back for another interview, like towards kind of the end of the summer. And I remember I prepared all these questions for the interview and they were like, I mean, the people interviewing me must've been like, she really wants this job. Cause they were like, okay, Sumner Redstone is going through an issue with his daughter and the, you know, shares of the company. What are your thoughts on how this will impact your job? And they're like, like, it's not going to impact us, you know? But at the time I'm like, so like ambitious ready. It was like the same third grader who knew the number 88, like she was coming out or the same <laughs> kindergartner. It's like, I got this. And I did, I got the job. And I remember like they wanted to pay me $27,000 a year in New York city. Okay. That's like below minimum wage. Yes. So I call a mentor of mine. She's like, take the job. I will feed you. Like, just get your foot in the door. So like I took the job. It was incredible. It was like, I, I literally like it was in times square. I just felt like I was living my dream. And, and lo and behold, like when we take one step, when we step into like our, you know, where we know we're called, even if it makes no sense, we are provided for abundantly. Mm -hmm. So like excessive happiness, I can so relate to that. I was like the girl who came in and like left little, like, you know, that show Legally Blonde and she's like, the snap mm -hmm. jar. And like, that's me, you know, my little counselor is actually the little kid used to go Delta New, like <laughs> as to me. Anyway, so I'm like, that was who I was. And, um, and I remember there was a girl who, um, her friend ran a concierge service and she like turns over to me. She's like, Hey Barbie, like, do you babysit? And like, I was like, yeah, of course I babysit. Like I love kids. 
And so they should, like, anyways, lo and behold, I ended up meeting this like very wealthy and well-connected family who would pay for me to babysit like three or four nights a week. It was $20 an hour cash. And at age, you know, 21, 22, I was like, yeah. this is, you know, my boss was like, how do I get a job babysitting? You know? So it was like such a gift that, and I, I ended up working with that family for years. I'm still very close with, with, um, with some of the parents and, and nonetheless, it was such a gift. And it also, I didn't grow up with wealth and this family was like, you know, old money wealth. And so I learned like, how do you invest? Like just by being around them, like, well, what does it mean to like care that the stock market's crashing? Like when you say, take your cash and put it into your bed, like I don't even have any cash. Like all the cash I have is what you give me. Right. Like, and so just like learning, like what it, what it meant to actually be responsible with money was mm -hmm. something that I, I hadn't really ever studied or known or been mm -hmm. brought up around. So by taking that step of faith, I just see so many of the gifts in it. Um, and I learned, you know, being at Nickelodeon, uh, Nickelodeon was where, um, where I took a role. I was in a role that was different than everyone else in my peer set. So much of that role, like people were assistants and doing kind of like the day-to-day -day data input, like that kind of stuff. And I was in a role that we were business development. So I was working from it, like my day one with like C-suite and learning how to think like a marketer and how to think like a CFO and how to look at long-term investments and use research and data as a way to position an offering. And at the time I felt a little ostracized because all my peers were like, you know, just, they were in a similar function. So they mm -hmm. would have their like little, you know, group meetings and I, I, I wasn't a part of it. And so at the time I kind of saw like, mm, I, I kind of want to be a part of that. And I didn't realize how much of like training, world-class training I was getting. So looking back, I think. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I did that for a handful of years, you know, worked through the recession, like really experienced what it was like to have people like, you know, leave a job. Um, this, and and was this all still at MTV? Yes. So this is okay. all, I spent like my first three to four years in my career there, um, which was okay. through like, you know, I remember the day Bear Stearns went under and it was like a big deal. And I didn't really understand at the time. I was like, well, okay. Companies go out of business all the time, but like. This is where my naive Midwestern girl got to learn quickly, like, you know, how, how our world, how our economy supports us. Um, entrepreneurism, I think that's where also I started to get to think like big picture, mm -hmm. not just in terms of like the short, the, you know, sort of short term um, tactical functions of our life. Um, anyway, so I went to another company in New York, Vivo. I took a big leap in terms of my role and was like running my own accounts, learning operations. It was a startup. So that's where I really learned how to like look at the industry and that sort of thing. And, um, and then from there, I got an opportunity to lead the East Coast of a fashion and sort of teen business, if you will, um, back in the day when like gamification was really big. So they would replicate all of the fashions across the world in a digital form. And um, I'm so grateful for that role. I actually worked out of a home office and was running our East Coast territory. And what happened a few months, um, probably like actually about a year into that job is I lost my brother. And um, Nate, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh. And, um, and so I, it was like, I was on my way to go to a meeting with Hasbro. I still remember it was like, it was yesterday and my phone was sitting on my desk. I was all suited up to walk out the door and my mom called at like 11 o'clock in the morning. And I didn't really, I was like, why is mom calling? Like she never calls me in the middle of the day. And I almost didn't answer it. Like I was kind of like, I have to go, but for some reason I knew to answer it mm -hmm. and I did. And she you know, I was like, it, it just didn't sound like my mom. I was like, what the heck? Like what? And I just remember her sharing with me, like your brother's passed away. And it was like, what? Like, what do you, what do you mean? What happened? And no one knew at first. She's like, we just, he was found at his place. And I hope this isn't gr too gruesome for your listeners. Um, but yeah, he was found at, at his condo. Um, they had been inside cleaning for the season change. Cause it was in September. And, um, 
they were cleaning the ducts from like the summer to the winter for when the heat turns on. And when they came out of the home, they found him, you know, up, like laying down in front of the home. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was like, okay, I'll be right home. And I remember like, all I could do was load and unload the dishwasher just to like, I was just so numb. I didn't understand what had happened. And so, you know, they, the gift in a lot of this was one, like I worked in an environment where I could be home. I worked in an environment where I had the space to feel and I had the space to really process the, as best I could. I mean, look, it's like, I will process this until the day I die or transition to my next journey. Um, and, but I'm, I'm really grateful just in my career pathing that that was a setup for me, like taking that home office job to be able to have space. And that was really, really beneficial for me. And, um, and so, you know, I think through my brother's passing, um, one of the greatest gifts and um, him leaving this earth was um, a week before he had like sent me some message on Facebook messenger that said, um, you know, dad's email has been hacked. Don't respond to some weirdo that's sending money asking to like, you know, whatever it is. And um, at the end of it, he said, you know, I hope you're safe in hurricane Irene. And I know I don't say it enough, but I love you sis. Hmm. And it was like, Oh yeah. And I wrote him back a couple of days later. I love you too. I'm so excited for your wedding. Like he was engaged to be married and that was just a few months later. And that was the last thing we ever said in this lifetime. And I just, I kept like the whole time and, and, at, you know, and just, as I reflect on that season of my life, it's like God or universe or spirit or whatever gave me the greatest gift it was like the foreshadowing into my brother passing. And it was like the whole time I was just like, wow, like there's beauty in God's plan. Like yeah. I, I know that this is what was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And um, Michigan football plays such a big role in my life because my brother was like the biggest sports fan and the biggest, you know, like do, 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 do. Like that was my alarm clock, right? Like that. <laughs> that's what I woke up to every single day. And, um, in fact, like he has a, a Michigan M like the maize yellow color on his gravestone. Like that is how much he loves Michigan. So now he speaks to me in Michigan. Like when I'm having a rough day, no joke, like cars fly by with like Michigan emblems, like a, uh, a university of Michigan license plate. It's front and center. It's such a gift. To me. Yeah. And I, see that it's actually a big part of my uh it's a big transition point for my story in entrepreneurism so anyways I lost my brother and um and I I was like yeah I think I'm 27 years old living in New York City and you know at the time my friends we'd all go out like that's what we did so I didn't even know how to be with me and that's when I started doing endurance things that's when I was like, okay, I cannot wake up any more days, just like completely lethargic and don't know what to do with myself. So I was like, I got some email about an Iron Man, and I was like, I think I'm going to do that. And I think I'm going to try to train with this group of people. So I started training for an Iron Man, and it was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I was thinking. I want to throw the bike in the Hudson River. I was like, I can't, like the whole clipping in thing, I was like, I'd clip in and right, fall right over. Like, what is this sport? Why do people do this? This is crazy. I get to the top of the hill and I crash just because I'm like so tired and I can't possibly like figure out how to unclip, you know? <laughs> and the beautiful part about it, like that is where I started to speak to my brother. Like that is where my brother would connect with me and cheer me on and like talk to me about mom and dad and say like, they're okay. Like mom's going to get through it. Like dad's going to be okay. Like, and he would just like, there's times I was swimming where my brother is like with me. Like I seriously feel him like on my shoulder being like, come on, like, let's just keep going. Like, it's okay. You just got punched in the face. Like no big deal. Like you'll make it through. No big deal. Like moving forward is a lot faster than moving back. The current's going this way. Like I, it's just this beautiful connection that I have with him. And that's what gets me to the finish line every time. I mean, but most people don't, wake up one day and go, oh, I'm going to do an Ironman. 
most people are like kind of go, okay, I'm going to give you a gym membership. I'll do a 5K. I'll do a 5K. <laughs> you jumped in literally in the water on a bike and, and racing. And it's not, not an easy race. I mean, I've never done one, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is easy for some people. But, I mean, that was just, to me, you were all in. There were no baby steps. Yeah, you know, I honestly it was like it was my it was my therapy. It was my saving grace. It was way beyond me. And the people who supported me on the days when I would be running and just like break down. I mean, it was like I I was like mile 7 I got to do a 14 mile run and I'm just like I am so overcome with grief. And just people who sat with me and cheered me on and said, "Great, like let's let's cry. And then like, let's walk, let's just keep moving forward. Like that's all we can do. And like, we can take a break, but we're not going backwards. And there are so many people who held me up. I remember I heard someone speak one of the champions, believe me, I don't get the championship. I get the finish line and the medal, you know, and then the pizza afterwards. But (laughs) the, you know, I remember someone speaking who was a winner at the winter ceremony. And she said, like, I don't do this race. I stand on the shoulder of giants who carry me to the finish line. And I was like, yeah, and that's Mm -hmm. life. That's life. And um, so many times now, even in entrepreneurship and using technology, like how many times does some technology thing piss you off and you're like, F this, I, like this thing doesn't work or whoever built this platform should, you know, take a, a ticket to nowhere. Like all that kind of, it's similar with, with racing. Like it, I think of the same thing. I'm like, yeah, there was a time where like climbing that hill seemed really hard, but I did it. And I think similarly in life, like I'm just up to this result or this is my mission. And, and, you know, coming back to that, it's such a good, um, parallel for life. Yeah. For it's, me. A, it's yeah, that's um, an incredible parallel for life, for business, for relationships, for raising children, for being in a marriage, um, for dealing with parents, aging parents. I mean, it's anything right with life where, it's really, really hard. And then it becomes beautiful, but there's often the hard, hard pieces of climbing the mountain or running the race where you feel like you just can't keep going yet. If you just keep, I love what you just said, just keep moving forward. Even if it's just one baby step a day, you're moving in the Mm -hmm. right direction. Um, I love yeah, I love it. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing about your brother. My guess mm. is that grief is still close and, and it will never go away. So thank you for being vulnerable. And mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I mean, that's my heart. My heart hurts for people who lose somebody who was that close to them. You know, I mean, mm. in so many ways, they're, they're soulmate, um, their only mm. sibling and soulmate. So um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I wanted to just stop yeah. for a minute and and honor this moment of him being honored by you and, and your story. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, every year and if anyone's come across loss, that's one of your listeners, my, um, intention in sharing some of this is just that they can find comfort too. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, every year it's like, Oh, maybe this year I'll be able to like, I don't know why this happens every year, but I'm like, okay, well, maybe I, I'm not that sad. Maybe I'll be okay this year on like the anniversary of his passing or on his birthday or, and the truth is, no, I won't be okay. I'm going to feel, I'm going to make space to grieve. I'm going to do whatever I feel I need to do that day. And someday, sometimes it's like, you know, one year we played like game, all his favorite games together. And I had people to come over and make space to cry and laugh and And, you know, this year I went to the park and I, I was on the swings and I, you know, I made space for myself to just like feel what it was like to swing, like that kind of small stomach flip that happens and like allow myself to just feel like small thrills in this human experience. And so, you know, the truth is, is that I'm really grateful for the emotion of grief as painful as it is, and it comes like waves and it's very intense and it moves, but I'm so grateful to be able to feel it, to be able to have that intimate, beautiful connection and have that space that is lost Mm -hmm. and, um, and to let it be okay. 
and to say, I get to grieve and I get to feel these feelings and to know, like, we get to have needs. Yeah. I share that with myself all the time. Like I get to have needs mm. and, um, and that's really, really, um, it's been important. So thank you for the space to honor him and honor the relationship. And you know, for anyone else who is, um, experienced loss or grief, it's, it's beautiful and heartbreaking and all of the, you know, we talked about the emotional like spectrum and it's all of it. Yeah. Well, I've always heard, I've heard in the past, embrace the suck, embrace your suck <laughs> and it's okay. It's when you stay in it, there's the problem. Yeah. That's when you start moving backwards. And so it's okay to sit in the suck and embrace it for a moment, but then figure out how to get out of it. Um, and that's when growth happens. And so yeah. like, for, you know, it's just, I love how you use the analogy of trees leave, lose their leaves and, and, and then they regrow and they, and they actually more branches come and more leaves come. And so it, it, that's, that's what they do. They embrace the winter to yeah. regrow in the spring. And so uh, I love, I love, um, and I, and I've, I've been there where I'm like, ah, I'm just down but it's okay to be down. Just don't stay there. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's the beauty of processing the emotion. Mm -hmm. Like to your point, like the, the leaves fall because it's time to prepare for winter. So making the space, like get in a cozy bed, cozy up with some tea and then allow yourself to try to take the first step. Like, okay, today I'm going to shower. <laughs> like that could be the win for the day when you're processing some really heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, it's just, I think sometimes the things that come into our lives, they support us in so many ways. And I think that loss and, and tragedy are a part of that, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in way easier said than done, but it's a part of this human experience. So yeah, we take it as it comes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I, um, I, you know, this processing my brother's loss and kind of moving through that and having the space, such a gift. And then my next step forward was um, Facebook had reached out and asked if I wanted to interview for a role in technology. And I was like, what? Like I so you, do. You have been recruited through all these jobs. I mean, you were panhandling, handing out your resume on, on the streets <laughs> of New York City. <laughs> you land this job at MTV. You get, then you get recruited to this other home job um where the startup. the startup and then facebook randomly finds you again and yeah so it's like i went to the music platform vivo from mtv which is like mtv networks which is includes nickelodeon and i spent a moment at vh1 went to the music platform really understood like how to negotiate contracts how to look at like many different angles in a business who makes money who loses money why like how to create demand how to like you know sort of manipulate supply and so um, that was, and how to work with artists and talent and all that good stuff. And honestly, you know, it came every time I was there, I was like, why am I not singing? Why am I not an artist? That's what I really dream about. Not so much. I mean, great that I got the business side, but like, I want to be like jamming on stage and making a music video and all of that. Right. So that was always in me. Give that girl and yet I wrote the machine. Oh, hey, girl. Yeah, totally. Um, I do like the Little Mermaid. You know, I like Broadway style karaoke. I got the whole show. I dance. I'm like, I need one without a cord, please. Do you have like the mobile mic? And then so you don't. So I'm not. I'm like, I'll just do it without the mic. That's fine. Um, I'll project. Right. So then I, I went to the startup, worked from my home office and, um, you know, started, the team was starting to expand as I was leaving and life has a beautiful way of transitioning us when we're supposed to move. So I interviewed for this role at Facebook out in the West Coast. And so funny, just anecdotal story, because they're kind of funny. Sometimes I came back to New York and the person who ended up um, hiring me as my boss, he wasn't able to meet me on the West Coast. He was traveling or something. So we did a phone call. And I remember my dog at the time kept crying at my door because she like, I'd never had my door closed, but for this, I closed my door. So like midway through the interview, I'm like, look, I'm so sorry. My dog is like pawing at my door. I need to give her a bone, but you know, like, is that okay? He's like, yeah, do whatever you gotta do. So as our closing statement, he's like, yeah, like really great to meet you. I hope your dog's okay. 
I'm like, oh God, like I just totally screwed that one up, you know? <laughs> so I call my best friend and I'm like, hey, Josh, like, don't worry, I'm not moving. Like, I totally screwed that interview up, you know, like, that's not happening. So, you know, all good. We can still romp around New York together and like do whatever we want to do. And so he's like, okay, great. Like, no big deal. You know, you got it. Like, whatever's meant to be will be. So then, like, they offer me a job. I'm like, holy cow, like, this is happening. And at the time I was training for an Ironman. Like I just lost my brother. I'm training for an Ironman. The race is in August. It's February, April, February, March, April. That's like the kind of like um, interview season of this job. And I'm like, gosh, I don't know what to do. Like I'm training for this Ironman. It's a huge deal to me. It's literally like, this is my healing journey right now. And um, I, gosh, I don't know what to do. And I asked a mentor, I'm like, what do I do? She goes, what do you need? I said, well, I really need the time. She said, then ask for the time. Mm. And so I did, I said, you know, I I'm really excited about this role. It seems like a great opportunity. And, you know, I have commitments here that I need to see through. And I didn't like at the time, it didn't feel right for me to share the news about my brother. Cause I wasn't asking for empathy points. I just really like, I needed the time and my, he, my boss waited. He waited three months for me to join the company. And it was such an amazing lesson for me that, um, you know, we ask for what we need, we get it. Mm, And if we don't, that's okay too. But you have to Um, know what you need, right? I mean, that's the difference. You have to know what you need so that you can ask for it. You have to know yourself enough to know what you need. Yeah. Well, and I think the other part was like, it was a non-negotiable for me. Like I really put me and this journey of this commitment I had made before a job. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to sort of think like kind of out of fear of like, oh no, if I don't sacrifice me and my commitment, then I won't get this shiny job or this shiny object. And for some reason, my perspective was so grounded. It was just super clear to me that it needed the time. Um, okay. I'll kind of speed through. So I, I moved to the West coast. I, I do this Facebook thing. The first years were incredible. It was like, Wall Street was against us. It was right as we were IPOing. Like everyone around us didn't believe. And we were like, we so believe. We see the power of this platform. We see the power and the love that gets poured into it from everyone that works here. And we, we were just like a dream team everywhere. And we were building new platforms and building new technology. And it was incredible. And I was learning like, uh, like so much, just navigating the whole space, like ninja style. And you know, uh, to kind of truncate this story, about five years in, we had grown to now have um, Instagram and, and the WhatsApp piece had kind of closed already and um, Oculus platforms, we just got so huge, 2 billion users. And it started to become very political. Like we started to bring in a lot of like operation, your scope sort of starts to get limited and we're just managing in a completely different way in the company. And what I felt inside of me was all of this sort of fear-based management styles that were now being introduced. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that we had to be calibrating our teams against each other for me was really challenging. It was almost like we were in a horse race and it was like, well, what horse are you going to put in the race to really promote and then like minimize other people's accomplishments so that this person can actually get the reward. And like, the reality is you can paint it however you want to paint it. If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And that was the reality is like, I just, some of the things inside of me started to like, it started to kind of not match like the ways that we were managing through the company. And I think agility and change are so important to be able to be flexible in, but when we're rooted in our values, which is like people matter, people deserve to be seen and heard. Those types of things are the non-negotiables for me. And so it made me look at me. And I saw that I had done, my whole world had revolved around my value being that I worked at Facebook, that I had was, you know, leading the charge, that all of my ratings for me and my team were incredibly high. Like everyone I met, I was the Facebook girl. And I was like the girl that built their whole B2B business. And like, that was my whole value system of myself. And so not only was I starting to like wake up to like things are changing, but I realized that 
I like didn't know who I was anymore. Like the things I like, I was addicted to work. And so I just kept working more and more thinking like, okay, one more big thing, that'll be it. One more, you know, big, massive relationship that I win over. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe one more big event. Like I just kept trying, trying, trying until, um, you know, I, I actually started going to like acting school and like being on stage and prioritizing me and having boundaries with my time. So on Wednesday nights, I went to acting school Hmm. and when I would, you know, something would come up and I would say, this is something I've committed to that wasn't okay. Like, it was like, well, why, like people have kids soccer games to go to, like, what's this acting school thing? Like, do you think you're going to be an actress? Like, what, like, what is that? And I just saw that, like, I, I, there wasn't a lot I what I made up was like there's no I don't know how to do both like I don't know how to love me and like pursue the things that are creative but this is where the real like transformation started happening for me where I really started to see like if I want to live my most genuine fullest life I have to create boundaries I have to create spaces for me to be creative I have to be more than who I am and I just went on this journey to like study human expression and yoga and Eastern tradition and healing. And, you know, just what ended up happening is like a cold, like I got worse before it got better. So Mm -hmm. I manifested this horrible loss and I tolerated a lot of abuse inside the corporate world. And I, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say like someone was trying to make me stronger. No, there was definitely, and this happens and it's okay. Like we're allowed to share that there were things in our experiences that were not favorable. And like, is there a bright side to everything? Sure. And there's also like, just, this isn't healthy anymore. And so working through that and also just getting close to, you know, what I love and who I am, I went on a trip to India. I was fully myself. Lauren, give us us a timeframe on this. How long ago was this that you did your India trip? In December. So this is recent. So in de- yeah, December of 2018, I planned a trip to India, had it approved, like, you know, probably September timeframe. So you were still and, with Facebook. You were still with Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still with Facebook. The horrible boss had like, that got kind of uncovered. She was no longer there. The team was really strong again. Like I was feeling good in me, but that was a whole two year process. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, you know, to be honest, like there's still a lot of unwiring in the things that were a part of that process and, you know, that's okay. So, um, I planned this trip to India and, um, about a week before I leave, someone from my team tra- was transitioning to another team and I got a call and they said, can you please have your trip? Can you shorten your trip and come back sooner? It's December. It's, you know, the end of the year, we're really pushing towards X, Y, Z. And I almost did. Like, I almost, I was like, oh, you're right. Like, I should come back. I should be a good team player. And then this quiet voice inside of me was like, this is the test. This is the boundaries. This is the valuing you. This is a trip you've been dreaming of taking and you've made the space to do it. So, you know what? That's their job. That's their job to figure out what to do because the person left. And so I really stood in, you know, unfortunately, I'm not able to shorten the trip and I'm choosing it. It's not because of a try. I didn't blame it on anyone else. I was like, nope, you stand in integrity around this and let them know that you're going to, you know, make good on what you committed to for yourself. And it was such a beautiful trip. I was like, my friends tease me that I'm like a walking Broadway show, but that was me. I was like fully alive. And they're like, we, we want to be alive. Like we want to be in the show. We want to be in our show. Like it was contagious. And I felt like after the first two days of like complete, oh my gosh, work's going to go to shit if I don't, if I don't like follow up on this. And then I'm like, okay, like I'm in India, like let it go. And like be with you and be in this experience. And I was on my way back coming through Doha airport and I was with a girlfriend of mine and we had like a half hour layover and I go to get off the plane and it's like so heavy in my heart that I have to go back to this corporate train. And how long were you in India? Um, about 14 days. Okay. Yeah. Fully connected to me, to the people. I mean, it was such a beautiful experience. 
and Facebook um, did not crash while you were gone. So they, they were fine. Yeah. <laughs> that same best friend I called and said, I'm not getting this job. He's still my best friend to today. And we used to run, we met at MTV. He and I like ran this, you know, professional development group there. I mean, we're, it's great. The story's great. But he said to me, he goes, Facebook's not going to go belly up because you are going to go take your vacation time. I'm like, okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm coming back. I get off the airplane in the Doha airport and there's a girl with a Michigan sweater on. And I'm no, like, Nate. Oh, hey, hey, Nate. You know, but I'm kind of like shaking it off. Like I got to get to my airplane and like, yeah, thanks for the note, Nate, you know. And we go, I go with my girlfriend to get a coffee and we have like one, we have like a chance to get a coffee and like take one walk down the thing to like stretch our legs. And for some reason I wanted two straws. I was like, my first, like one wasn't good enough. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to grab another straw. I want another straw. No joke. I pull it out. It's a blue straw. And my first one's a yellow straw, which are the Michigan colors. Mm-hmm. So like, just as if I like didn't get the sweatshirt and brushed it off. He's like, okay, well, you know, clearly you need another something that is like, you know, like what's on your heart right now is true. And I remember just like crying in that moment saying to my friend, like, I, I cannot go back. Like I cannot go back. And I am so terrified because I don't know what happens with health insurance. I don't know what happens with my finances. I have no idea what I'm going to do but I know I can't go back to this. And I've been trying for two years to figure it out. And quite frankly, I'm too distracted to actually be clear on what's here for me. And so, yeah, it was in that moment that it was like, all right, I guess I'm clear. And, um, and the day after Christmas, I had a call. I, I had a call with my boss. I called HR. I had a meeting the next morning and we worked on two weeks till the finish line. Wow. And I traveled and saw, you know, the partners and the executives that I had been working closely with and um, had some really integral conversations, which were hard for me to do. Like, it was not easy because I was afraid to be letting them down. Mm -hmm. That was my biggest fear was like, I'm going to disappoint them. And in fact, the very opposite is true. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm still like, it still texts with some of these CEOs of Fortune 100 companies. They like Mm -hmm. are inviting me to their holiday parties and Christmas. It's beautiful. It's like just by being me and being honest and like sharing like how I'm going to step into, I don't know what, but it'll happen, whatever it is. So I transition, I take a couple of months to sleep and just connect back to me. And I got, you know, I was like, what do I do? I know all this technology stuff and I know how to navigate it and understand it and figure it out and ninja my way through it. And I also see this opportunity to like, share my story or for people to see that they don't have to stay stuck, that they don't have to live in quiet desperation or tolerate. And in fact, the opposite's true. Like they get to be themselves. They get to come back home and express that and build business around it and share those gifts with the world. And so when I just, I literally had this idea, I was like, okay, I got to do this solo express company. I didn't even know what it was when I incorporated it and like turned it into an LLC. I was like, I don't know. I think it's professional services. I'm not really sure. <laughs> and, and like, it just, as I took one step after another and would like go to networking events of like all different kinds and just like figure out what goes on in this world of entrepreneurship and online marketing and, and building through our dreams. And, you know, I just decided I'm like, I'm going to build a transformational program where someone can say I'm completely strung out or I have no idea what I want, or I'm a mom and I'm a nurse and I cannot like, I can't stand that to leave my kids every single night to go to my midnight job or whatever the situation is. Like there's gotta be a space and a community for these people. And so that's what I'm up to now. And I support people now in coming home and being okay, being exactly who they are, where they are, and then building that roadmap to just like Iron Man, like what's the finish line? What's your ultimate goal? What does it look like? And it's, you know, there's community built around it. And I will say like, at first, you know, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know all the pieces. I'm like, I don't know what all the purposes around it. I just know I got to do this soul express thing and find a way to have an income also. And what it's turned into is what I thought would be most rewarding is, is rewarding. But the best part is when I see people and experience people coming alive, mm-hmm. like 
just meeting themselves again and falling in love with who they are. And that whole whole process has been, it's like a new baby being born. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, I don't have children, but it's like, that's the close, it's like, that's the experience I get, which is like, I see you Mm -hmm. and you see you. Mm -hmm. And it's been so cool. So cool. I, I, oh, I love it. I love it so much. I love this journey that you're on. Um, And I think that what's really cool is that we're capturing this right now on audio for you. So a year from now or two years Mm. from now, you're going to go back and listen and you're going to, there's going to be a lot more Michigan sightings, a lot more orange (laughs) sightings, a lot more joy that comes um, as you build this out and to be able to go Mm -hmm. back and listen to where you are today um, it's going to mm. evolve so much and I can't wait. I mean, I really truly want to stay in touch with you as this evolves. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I think I that. That for you, I, I really think the best is yet to come, mm-hmm. um, which mm. is, which is really fun. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Well, yeah, I, I, um, had gone through a really tough time in my life and I went through this course, um, and it was a three day course out in, uh, Plano, Texas. And it was a, it was a, it was a pay it forward kind of course that you would go for three days and someone paid your way. And then you're, you were oh, expected or if you could, you could pay. And so it was free to me. I just had to get out there and, and they really tapped into your, what we call the inner child. Uh, and so yeah. that was a way that I was able to discover who I, who I used to be before all the muck and the mire of my life started. And so yeah. those children we're not embarrassed. We're, we're, you know, we're out there and we don't care. And it's like out of the mouths of babes. And, but it's the adults in our life or it's the people or it's the environment. I mean, we may be in that stagnates that. Yeah. And so, and so we have to figure out how to un get ourselves unstuck out of that and find that child in us again and be able to yeah. be comfortable in front of a microphone or be able to and be comfortable just in our own skin and being alone or whatever it is that mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you lost where you lost yourself and so I love it I cannot wait to to watch this journey with you too and and see how it unfolds um because I mean you've made you've made me just kind of really want to step back and say okay where am I right now and let's get let's find that inner child again Beautiful. That's why I do it. I mean, I love that. Thank you for sharing that because that's exactly my mission. And I think when I, when I get in my head and when I doubt, you know, I literally like put my Bible on the floor and say, I'm standing on your promises that when I am moving in the right action, like it's supported. And, you know, I think the I'll end with this, which is one of the revelations I came to so long in my life. I thought, okay, if I want to be center stage, I got to like lose 10 pounds or have this certain look or make it sound this way and try like everything around me. I was trying to like fit into some box of what I was supposed to be like all the things made up based on whatever I saw or whatever I heard. And recently I've been, I've been looking at watching these nature shows on the discovery channel And I have this revelation the other day that I was like, wow, like an elephant is not trying to be a zebra. Like it's elephant. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what if like, I just be me? Like, what if I just be what I'm divinely here to be? And like, I don't try to put on the clothes of another animal or try to take on like, elephants don't run as fast as a zebra. Like they're huge. And you know, like, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm the size. Maybe I am. I don't know. But the point is, is like, I'm, we're all unique divine creations and we're here with our own unique handprint and purpose and stature and energy. And, and so, yeah, I think that's been, you know, just to kind of build on what you're saying is like really resonating and who we are and letting that marinate and shine through. And, um, you know, animals and nature have been a really big inspiration for me as a part of that. Me too. I love that. I love it. And as I was distracted in the middle of this um, podcast, because I saw your whiteboard behind you, where it says, oh. you matter, you are loved, and you get to have it all. That is just, that's so cool. And I feel like that's your energy that you give off mm. is to even to me, and I'm thinking Stace too, because of what she's been saying, but that you communicate that to us, you matter, you're loved, and you get to have it all. 
Um, and I think that's such a great way to just wrap this up. And unfortunately, we can't dive into all the questions, uh, the 70 you know, questions, because we're, we're out of time. Mm -hmm. But I do want to ask you one final question. So you've mentioned sure. karaoke a couple of times and Broadway. What's your go-to karaoke song? It's the Little Mermaid part of your world. Really? Uh, you know, I want to be where the people Sing are. It. I want to see them dancing. Sing it. Grab that mic, sister. Yeah. Sing it. Yeah. Um, uh, she goes, I want to be where the people are. I want to see, want to see them dancing, walking around on those. What do you call them again? <laughs> we got feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love it because yes. I remember I would sing that song so loud in my apartment in San Francisco because I was like, look, it was like so foreshadowing because I'm like, what, like you want thingamabobs? I got 20, but who cares? No big deal. I want more. It's like, yeah, like the, what you see, you could think is like everything, but the truth is inside of us, like we do get to have it all. And I firmly believe we have dreams inside of us to have them come true. Otherwise mm. they wouldn't be in us. Mm. And so, so we can just live into that. Like, okay, like my dreams matter. I matter. Like I get to have it all because in my having it all, I make space for everyone else to have their all. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. That is, that's uh, awesome. Laura, you have a message for this world, my friend. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you're living in it and all of the hardship that you've been through and all the really great celebrations have been a part of crafting you to be ready for where you are right now. And I mean, really, really good things are ahead. I feel it. I sense mm -hmm. it. And I can't wait to watch it unfold for you. Thank you yeah. so much for your time. Thank you, ladies. For, Thank you. This was such a gift, really. I yeah. love your energy. I love your two smiles. It's so cool. It's like, <laughs> I love seeing your two smiles radiating to me. And uh, I'm really excited to stay in touch and support you as well in your journey and, and who you uplift in this world. So thank you for the space and touching my life and just the wild encouragement that you share. So thank you. You got it. You got it all the way across the country, right? I know. Listeners, thank you so much for hit and play. We say it every week. I know. And if you listen to us on a consistent basis, you may get tired of it or hopefully not, but we want to tell you again, thank you for hitting play. We never, ever take that for granted. You have so many choices on podcasts and you chose us. And I'm thinking that you, you're pretty glad you made that choice today. So know that as we close this, the message from Lauren and maybe even more so from Nate is that you matter, you are loved and you get to have it all. So go after those three things. All right, go make it a great day. <laughs>